0: Well, we are going to continue our series uh, this morning, uh, entitled "Moved by Hope." And if you remember last week, how many know Easter seems like a long time ago, but it was only seven days ago. It's probably because all the kids had like no school. How many of your parents are ready for the kids to go back to school? Okay, there's there's a few, there's a, there's a few grandmas and great grandmas, like come on, come on, you know. But it it is. Uh, it, it's been a, a while ago, but last week we talked about, we began with the question, what moves you? What well, gets you out of bed in the morning? And then I asked, what keeps you out of bed? And everybody knows the answer is coffee. And uh, it was pretty funny this morning as I was, I was asking that question again, everybody starts holding up their canister of coffee. I was like going, yeah, we're going we're gonna to need to pray over this one. But anyways... You know, but but what keeps you connected? What keeps uh, what, what causes you come home at night? What keeps you sticking around? What moves you? And last week we talked about the importance of hope. That we we need hope because um, where where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. That that this this idea of hope moves us. It it, it helps us live beyond our situations and circumstances. And as we thought about the resurrection of Jesus last night, we uh, last night last week. We we talked about how the resurrection of Jesus gives everyone a reason to hope, that because of his resurrection, we can believe for a better future, that it is available to each of us and to all of us, a future that is greater than our situations and circumstances, one that is greater than our fears and worries, one that is greater than our disappointments and uncertainties. Well, today as we continue our series, we're going to talk about finding courage. Now, Merriam-Webster defines courage as this. It is the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fears, or difficulties. Now, I think that's pretty good. Uh, It is the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, withstand anger, dangers, or difficulties. How many here have ever faced situations that you just are like, I need strength for this one? I need like some mental strength. I need, how am I going to persevere? How am I going to get through? How am I going to move on? And I've come to know this about life. Maybe you come to know this about life too. But how many know life is not easy? Can I get a witness on this one? Life is not easy. I've also heard it said that getting old is not for the faint of heart. I knew that one would get, because some of you are like going, oh my word. Okay, so Pastor Dwayne is approaching 50. And you you should hear all the things, he's coming in with like creaks and bumps and like, you know, it's just, it's like, I'm like, wow, this getting, getting old is not, it is not for the faint of heart. But, but you know, the the truth is that, that if we are going to do life well, it's going to require courage because life isn't easy, because there's difficulty and challenge, because there's obstacles and threats, we need courage. And we're convinced that that Jesus wants to empower us with his life and his peace so that we can live courageously and we can live the life that he has created us for. Now, I often say that about living the life we've been created for, and the reason is is because what what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10 is this, that we are God's workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That God has, has saved us, He has redeemed us, He has created us for a purpose that is bigger than just the moments that we're a part of. We've been created with purpose, and I'm convinced that that purpose is to make a difference in the world that we're a part of. And part of that is to, is to bring good and to bring beauty out of the darkness. And I'm convinced that God continues to call us to live lives of significance. And if we're going to live lives of significance, it is going to require courage. And that courage is rooted in Jesus. Our courage needs to be rooted in Jesus. And as we think about this this morning, this finding courage, the big idea we're going to think around is simply this. The hope Jesus brings inspires new life. The hope Jesus brings inspires new life. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 23. And again, John is writing because he is convinced that, the life, that life is experienced through faith in the risen Jesus. And the quality of this life is not diminished or, or limited even by death. And so as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to find some ideas to help us find courages for the challenges that we're facing. Now, as we come to our text, um, this account takes place on Easter Sunday. It it takes place on on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. If you remember, we talked about this last week that that Mary went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. And so she ran back and got Peter and John and they ran and they looked in and and, and Jesus wasn't there. And then Mary had this amazing encounter with Jesus after John and Peter had gone back to, to the other disciples. Well, it's that evening. Mary has come back and says she's seen him, yet, yet all the disciples are gathering, and they're not sure what to make of everything. Now, some think that, 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 that as the disciples go back, because we're going to find them sitting in a room, and it's a room that they're familiar with, and some, are, some believe that the room they're in is the room that they celebrated Passover in or, or where they did what we call the Lord's Supper or communion together, that they're back in that place. And this is how it begins. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this, On the evening of that first day of the week, it says, when the disciples were together, and it says this phrase, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. With the doors locked. Now, as we think about it, I think this begins to to, to help us understand the the need for courage and to really help us, you know why we need to have courage, and that is this, that fear often keeps us in places that Jesus never intends. I want to say this again because I think this is so important, because we're going to talk a little bit about fear this morning. We're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that we wrestle with, but the thing we need to understand is that fear keeps us in places Jesus never intends. How many know that fear is a powerful motivator? It can cause us to freeze, to flee, or to fight. We all process the, these fears in different ways. I, as I was thinking about, you know, different times in my life where I've experienced like, you know, gripping fear. I, I remember one time we were driving in northern Alberta. Uh, we were driving back to our home and uh, in in Fairview, and and part of the road was you'd go this down this really big hill, and then you had to go back up again. And, and this was in the the Dead of winter, there was a storm going on, and I remember as we were going down that hill, it was icy, it was, it was ridiculously treacherous, there were cars that had gone off the road, and it was my dad and my uncle, and when my dad and uncle are together, there's often lots of laughter and witty banter going on, but this time, there was just, the, there, there's that seriousness of knowing that you're in a hairy predicament, And there was silence, and I just remember going down, and we're passing vehicles that are in the ditch, and then we go down the hill, and then we start going up. And and this is back in the day before front-wheel drive was like the thing. You had rear-wheel drive, and you're trying to go up, and and, and the back end of the car is moving, and I am convinced this is it. And I just remember as a kid, I think I was about in the third grade, I, I, I found that place where I was just like going, you know what, I may die here, but I, I, I took the space between the front seat and the back seat, like right on the floor, and I just curled up in a ball because I was like going, you know, I, I don't want to watch. I don't want to see anything. I just hope we make it. Now, the good news is this, is we made it. I'm here today. But, but, but I, I just remember just, just that, that feeling. You, you remember that feeling? You're in those, those, those places where it seems so dark and, and so concerning, and you're just like, what do I do? And the truth is, is that you and I were built to survive. There's a part of you and me that that when God made us, He shaped us for life, and we long and we strive for life. And what happens is when we begin to feel those threats, we begin to respond and and we drop into things in order to help us survive. And we've all been through different situations and circumstances, and, and, and we've developed these strategies to keep us alive so that we can keep on going. And one of the things that it just amazes me about, about humanity is really there, uh, our resilience. If, if you're a reader of history, if, if, if you've, you know, watched, isn't it amazing what it is people will do in the midst of threats? Like, what it is that, that they're willing to do, and, and sometimes we look and we read and go, I could never do that. So in high school, I, I, I loved, you know, reading history, and the, the area of history that really gripped me was actually uh, World War II. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that went on in, in Germany and, and, you know, with the Nazis and all those things. And, and when I was in college, I had the opportunity to be an exchange student uh, in Brussels, Belgium. And when, we were over, when I was over there, uh, we, we took a trip through southern Germany and northern Italy and into Austria. It was like we had this beautiful trip. And, um, but one of the places we stopped at was Dachau. And for those who are familiar with World War II and stuff like that, that was, that was where the, there was a, a concentration camp. And so we went and we had the opportunity to go through the, the memorial that, that is that concentration camp. And, and before you get into the compound where you see, you know, the barracks and, and, and you see the crematorium and you see the razor wire and you see all that stuff, you, you walk through this museum area. And you look at relics and artifacts, you you see the luggage, you you see the hair, you you see, you, you see like all this stuff, and then they take you through all these different pictures, and you're just absolutely gripped by the trauma that was inflicted upon so many people. And you just wonder, could could I make it through this yet? Yet out of even such trauma, that there are people who, who came out, that they survived it. And we, so we'll talk about people who are Holocaust survivors. They made it through. And the reason is, is because as humans, there's a resiliency to us that, that says, you know what, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to survive. I'm going to make it through. And whenever we confront threats, you have to understand there's this part of us that says, I'm going to make it. And even though we may not understand or, or figure out, we look at other people in their trauma and think, I could never get through that. Yet, in the midst of that stuff, it's interesting that you'll find yourself beginning to do things in order to help you survive. Now, we deal with threats all the time. We can deal from, with, with threats where, where, where we experience the pressure of a world that, that seeks to, to get people to conform to a certain pattern. And it plays upon our need to belong and, and our fear of not fitting in. How many here have ever done something stupid just so you could fit in? You, you just want it to belong. You want it to be a part. And, and there was that real fear. And so you're going, okay, I'll do stupid just so I can fit in. Because there's that real pressure that this need to belong. Sometimes there's the fear that arises just because we realize how, how frail or how vulnerable we really are. And because of it, we we sometimes do things to avoid pain and discomfort. How many of you have wrestled with the the, the fear that arises out of uncertainty? Not knowing what's out there? It's interesting, some of the old maps, I I love you know stories about old maps, that there's the place that's known, and then there would be the area that isn't known. And on some of the old maps, in the places that weren't known, there was the phrase: there be dragons. Like the, the places outside of the known, this is the place where there are, there are these threats, there are these ferocious beings that have the power to destroy. And so people don't often venture into those things. And as humans, we, we often imagine worst-case scenarios. How many of you are worst-case scenario thinkers at times, right? They didn't show up when they said, and you're like going, they're dead in a ditch somewhere. That, that's, the one, that's the one we always go to. They're just dead in the ditch somewhere. And part of it is because we recognize not only the frailty, but the uncertainty. And we live in a world where where bad things happen. And not only do bad things happen, but but sometimes they happen capriciously, that they happen at at like weird or unexpected moments. We also wrestle with the knowledge of our own mortality. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, after the, you know, after the revolution and, you know, the Constitution and stuff like this, made this wonderful statement. Benjamin Franklin said, Our new, consti- new Constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable. But in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. And this is just your friendly reminder, tomorrow is tax day, right? You're welcome. Nothing is certain except death and taxes. And what is interesting is that when threats like these are present, we like the disciples retreat to familiar rooms. That the disciples, when there was a sense of uncertainty, they, they had killed Jesus and they weren't sure what everything was going on and what to do. So they, they were just they were in fear. And so they said, well, we'll hide in this room and we'll just lock the doors. We'll find this space and we'll just stay in this space because this space is a safe space. And I got to tell you, so this is some of my personal stuff I'm working through. How many you here got issues? How many sitting next to someone that's got issues? There's, a, okay, there seem to be a lot more of those people out there, but, but this is one of the things that I, I work through. So let me tell you a word I don't like. You want to hear a word I don't like? It's a four-letter word. There's some four-letter words I don't like. This is one of them. It starts with S. Safe. Safe. We live in a culture that is obsessed with safety and security. Like we bubble wrap children nowadays. we hover over them. We don't want them to experience any pain. You know what the trouble with that is? How many know the world is hard and pain is inevitable? And one of the things that that I think has happened, this is just me, and this is part of the stuff that bugs me, is that we so shelter people when they're young that when they're now adults and trying to engage in the world, that they're actually not ready to experience the pain and the difficulty because they've been shielded from everything growing up. And, 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 and we do this, so, so like I, I've watched because it's continued to creep up. So it was one thing when you were hovering over kids, but, but now even to go to a, a university or a college, kids can't function unless they have certain things. And it, ju- it just amazes me because we, we, we want everybody to say, be safe. We, we don't want people to experience any discomfort. And what we've done is we've pried, we we've prized, we've elevated the need for safety and security. And what we've done in doing that is we've made that the goal rather than significance and purpose. And, and, and I'm convinced that, that, that God challenges each one of us because... It's not just an issue that happens out there. It's something we all wrestle with because we are all creatures that long for and hunger for and desire security and safety. And we'll create environments in order to get that, and we'll create rooms. try to keep out every fear and everything, and and, and because of it, we we end up limiting our lives and living far below the potential that God intends for us. I think one of the the way this gets manifested in our culture is that people become more willing to live in virtual worlds than in real worlds. Okay, And, and so if you're a young person here, and not so young. Isn't it interesting how many people keep retreating to virtual worlds? OK, so I got a funny little story. We went to the movies. How many love going to the movies? OK, and after 90 minutes of trailers, because how many know you go to the movie now, and it's just like going trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer, and you're like, oh my goodness, are we ever going to get to the movie? And then just before the movie starts, they, they, they often run that one little thing with the uh, roller coaster. You know what I'm talking about? They, they run through the roller coaster, and you're up, and you, and you go down, and it's fun to watch people as they do this in the theater, as they're just kind of, and you go down, and then you like go beside the soda, Pepsi, yay, and you do this, and then you'd swerve, and you go, and you go past the, you know, what, Skittles, or whatever they are, M&Ms, and they use it first, and then you hit the popcorn, and popcorn's flying, and so we're sitting in this movie theater, and Matt turns to me and says, Dad, I love roller coasters, and I'm like going, OK, we've taken him to Disney. We've taken him to these different roller coasters, like real roller coasters. And he goes, wait. And he's just like, yeah, I did. that was a little much. But I like roller coasters. But I'm like, that's a virtual one. That's not real. I'm like You don't like roller coasters, boy. right? And We kind of joke about it. But, but let me tell you, so much of, of life is being spent where people are escaping to virtual. They're escaping and they think, you know, th- this is, you, you know what's safe? We'll, we'll play these games and we'll do these things. And, and, and they think, well, I am living. I want you to know you're playing. You're not living. Life is not lived in two dimensions. It's lived in three my, my daughter, Emily, you all know Emily. She, she went to Canada just for, uh, she had spring break. And so she went up to Canada to spend time with my parents for vacation. How many of you like to spend time with family for vacation? Yeah, so that's what she did. She went up there. So she's flying back. And so she's been keeping us updated. She takes pictures and sends, you know, text type things. So she sends us a text. And there's a guy in the airport. She goes, Dad, check this out. And she sent us a video of a guy who's got his his virtual reality goggles on, and his wands in his hair. He's sitting in the airport doing this. <laughs> You're like, what an idiot, right? He's like going, listen, I can't, even like, I can't even live in an airport. I need to go somewhere else. But let me tell you, so many people are living lives, not just virtually, but where we create rooms, where we hide ourselves because of the fears and threats that are around us. You see, fears and threats, again, keep us from living the lives that we were created for. So let me ask you this question. This is a question I want you to wrestle with. When fears arise, where do you hide? What what, what space do you create? What doors do you lock? Because what we need to understand is that fear keeps us in places Jesus never intends. Secondly, as we keep reading, we'll find out that, that Jesus, that, 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 first of all, that fear keeps us in places Jesus never intends. Secondly, Jesus seeks to empower us with a peace that is greater than our circumstances. So as the disciples are kind of cowering in this room with doors locked, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Now, I love this because in the midst of the disciples' fear, there is Jesus standing among them. And I want you to note the two things that he does. The first thing that he does is he speaks peace. He speaks peace to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. This was the same Savior when the disciples were in a small boat and the winds and the storms were raging, that Jesus stood up and said, Peace, be still, and the storms were calmed. So too, this was the Savior. That in the midst of the place of their fear, that place where they tried to hide themselves in order to to, to, manage the fears that they had, that Jesus spoke peace to them. And the idea of peace is not just an absence of strife, but of wholeness. Have you ever had those moments where you feel like something's missing? And we do this in our world. You understand that this idea of peace is so much more than just absence of strife. It's about wholeness. It's about completeness. The problem is, is we don't have peace often because we feel like something's missing. And there's lots of people like, well, if I can just get, if I can just get so much money, if I can just grab that, then I'll have some peace. If I can get the right relationship, the right job, the right career, the the right thing, then I will have peace. Yet the reality is, the peace that Jesus brings is not found in what we grab, but peace is found in our relationship with Him. You see, it's Jesus who... Stands in the midst and says, Peace be still, but not only that, he begins to reveal his presence to them. And, and I love it because he shows him his hands and shows them his hands and his side. And he's like, see, it's me. And in showing him the wounds in his hands and, and the wounds in his feet, what Jesus is demonstrating is, is that, look, I am greater than what you fear. You see, the disciples were in fear that that the same thing that happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. They killed Jesus. We better hide because they're going to kill us. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, listen, you may be afraid of that, but I want you to understand I'm greater than what you fear. You see, the the, the wounds, the scars, the, the things that you think are going to ruin and destroy you, Jesus says, understand, I am greater than that. Because death can't defeat me. Rejection. Abuse. I am greater than all these things. And I think this is so important because in the midst of our fears, Jesus longs to meet us and speak His peace and reveal His presence. He wants us to know we are not alone, that we are not forgotten, and that He is not out of reach. You see, He seeks to empower us with a peace that is greater than our circumstances. That we might experience a calm and a confidence so that we can live beyond our fears. It's not that the source of our fears are removed. But that our confidence in one greater than our fears is displacing our fear. So Mark Twain said this, he says, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. And this is what Jesus does for us. It's not that the things that we fear necessarily go away, it's just that our confidence and our calm are found in the one who is greater. So I asked you a moment ago, where, when fears arise, where do you hide? I want to ask you this question, how do you handle your fear? So like in those times where you're confronting fear and you're like, you know what, I need to be courageous, what is it that you are grabbing or what is it that you're reaching for that you think or, or that you find to help you be courageous? Now, anybody here ever hear of liquid courage? comes in a little bottle or a can. We talk about it in our culture, right? You just got to have a little liquid courage so I can step up and do this. And, and you know what? For some people, they look to some substance or, or something that will take the edge off. It happens with alcohol. It happens with drugs. In our culture, the, the this whole idea of, well, let's legalize marijuana, let's... Give people another reason to help them be courageous to deal with the fears that they have. That's the thing. Sometimes people are turning to the virtual stuff, dealing with pornography, distracting themselves with movies and Internet. Sometimes it's, it's sexual encounters. Uh, Another way that we try to manage our fear sometimes is by controlling people and situations. Have you ever noticed that when you're afraid, you become, one of the things that you intuitively do is you try to shrink shrink your circle. You begin to figure out, this is what I can control, and this is what I can control. And, And sometimes, if we can just stay in control, I don't have to be afraid. The problem with all of these things They may give a sense of courage in the moment, but they are only temporary. And in time, the fear will return. And because of it, we have to keep going back to the thing that we thought was going to help our fears. And then we find out sometimes that we've become addicted to stuff and that we need all these things in order for us just to cope and manage to get through a day. And instead of finding freedom from fear, we have now become bound by what we thought was going to be the solution. The truth is, is Jesus wants to give us peace, true and lasting peace. It was Jesus who said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble." But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have come that you might know a peace, a peace that passes understanding. And I'm convinced in the midst of our fears, he wants to make his presence real to us. Even if we're a little skeptical and late to the party. If you read just after this, you'll find out that that Thomas who we call Doubting Thomas, wasn't in the room that first day. And and, and the disciples were like, well, Jesus is alive. And he's like going, yeah, unless I put my hands in his finger, you know, my fingers in his hands and in his feet or put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe that he's alive. Okay, how many here recognize skeptical people can be a little bit twisted at times? How many have those moments? And so Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, come here. Here, put your hand here. Hey, Thomas. Okay, so like, if I was Thomas, I'd be like passed out on the floor. (laughs) Getting all weak, need. But the truth is, like, this is what I want you to understand. I don't. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're late to the party or not. Maybe a little skeptical. Jesus says, "Listen, I have come to speak peace and to bring peace to you in the place that you fear most." And the reason He does it is because He is inviting us to live for something greater. Something greater than self. Something greater than our own whims, our wants, our, our dreams, or our desires. He's inviting us to live for something greater. It's Jesus who goes on to speak to His disciples, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And it says, with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, if you forgive anyone's sins, Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, what's beautiful about this passage is that Jesus is inviting his followers to be a part of something greater than just themselves. It was an invitation to be a part of God's divine plan for their days, their communities, and their world. And I think this is so important because God does the same thing for us. That through faith in Jesus, we're invited to be a part of something far bigger than just ourselves. You see, Jesus enlists each one of us in in this whole forgiveness of sins stuff. And and the idea of forgiveness of sins here is that, you know what? that, That because of the grace of Jesus Christ, our lives no longer have to be defined by death, Darkness, our mistakes, our failures, it doesn't have to be defined by that, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, He bore every penalty, He paid every price for every sin, and that by faith in Him, there is a release that we can experience so that we can know life. Because you know what God's heart is for every person? He doesn't want them to be defined by their worst moments. He wants their lives to be defined by His love and His grace. And and more than just it being some sort of power trip where I can either give or withhold from you. It's really about this idea that if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? You see, each one of us, our lives reach different people. There are people that, that are in your orbit that never cross steps with me. The question is, is, who's going to tell them about the love and grace of God? Who's, who's going to demonstrate the care, the kindness, the desire of God to restore every broken thing? See, we've been called to a task far greater than ourselves. We're invited to something greater, and if we're going to be able to do it, it's going to require courage. And Jesus knew this. He, he knew that if, if they're going to embrace us, they're going to need a courage that will allow them to leave the room. To leave the room of their fear. See, some of us, we never step out and live the purpose that God has for our our lives because there's an aspect of fear that we have. We stay in the room. And Jesus says, I want to speak peace and I want to speak life to you so that you can live a life outside the room. And Because of this, And for this, it says, Jesus breathed on them. And in breathing on them, there's this idea of recreation that's taking place. And not only a recreation, but a recommissioning to live the purpose we were created for. You see, he breathed on them, not just to make them alive. But to provide them new life for a new life. A life defined by courage. This is why I come back to this big idea the hope Jesus brings inspires new life. Hey, we're all on the same page. Life isn't easy. And we need courage to live what we were created for. We need courage to face our issues. We need courage to embrace our responsibilities. We need courage to endure hardships, to overcome dangers and difficulties. We need courage to grow in relationships. We need courage to impact our world. So, how do we find it? I think it simply begins by welcoming Jesus in the room. I love it. In the place of our hurting, in that place where we're hiding from our fears, he meets us. That Jesus wasn't waiting outside the door. He was in the room with them. That place that you were creating to keep all dangers out, I want you to know Jesus can still step in. You see, He loves us. His love for us is greater than our worst moments and days. It was because of His love that He took our place, paid our debt, so that we can know life. And he invites us to welcome him in, to welcome him, to say, Lord, even God, in this moment, in this situation, in this circumstance, God, I know I am wrestling with fears. I'm wrestling with what my spouse feels or thinks about me. I'm wrestling with who I am. I'm wrestling with destiny. I'm wrestling with purpose. I'm God, I'm just wrestling because it feels like the world is against me. And Jesus steps into the room and says, listen, I want to speak my peace to you. Because no matter what you fear, he's still greater. His love for you is greater, again, than your worst moment. His power is greater than the thing that you think is going to take your life away. We need to welcome him in the room. But not only that, we need to receive his peace. You see, he invites us to experience his his peace, that he is greater than the storm, that he is greater than the struggle. And we need to allow his, his grace to begin to calm and complete us. We need his calm. We need his peace to quiet our fears. It was Paul who would write the, the Philippian church, and say this, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody here deal with anxiousness? A little bit of worry? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. That means in your good days, in your bad days. It goes on to say, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Like, don't be anxious. We we welcome Him in the room. And we begin to ask, God, I need your peace. And He says, okay, now I'm going to begin to pour my peace upon you. And and part of it is learning to receive the peace that that our Savior longs to impart to us. A peace that begins to calm us as we understand that, you know what, we are held by the one who is greater than anything we fear. But not only that, to to understand that with his peace, we begin to find the thing that we truly need. Again, so many people are looking to other things in order for them to be complete. Yet Jesus says, I want you to know I'm enough. And when we find his peace, we begin to find out, you know what, Jesus is enough. He's enough. You see, we need to allow His grace and His presence to make up what's missing in our lives. Lastly, what we have to do is we have to step out in faith. We welcome Jesus in the room, we receive His peace, and we step out in faith. I want you to hear my heart this morning. You were neither created nor called to live in a locked room of fear. You were never created for that. You were never called to that. You were called and you were created to live for a greater purpose. And we need to allow our faith in Jesus to begin to influence our direction, our decisions, our devotion so that we begin to step out of the room that we're in. So, As Pastor Duane mentioned, one of the things that we're doing in the midst of the series, the way we're wrapping it up, is we are doing a Serve Sunday. And it's super intentional. And the idea is this, is that we weren't created just to stay in this room. We were created and we are called to make a difference in the world. And and what we're going to do is on the the last Sunday of the month, which is, I believe, April 30th, if I did my math right, we're going to gather here at 10 o'clock, for a few moments, we'll probably do a song. There'll be a quick devotional. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go out as a church. And we're going to begin to serve our community. We're, we're going to just begin to say, you know, what we're, we're created not to live or, or to stay in a room. We are created and we are called to make a difference in our world. And we're going to go out and we're going to find different things. We're going to serve some people uh, who, who need help around their homes. We're going to do some things to help our community. And when we come next week, we're going to have a list of some of the things that we're going to do. And this is for the whole family. Because God is calling us not to live in a room, but He's calling us to live out our faith in a world. And though we may gather in a place where we we worship, celebrate, and rejoice, it is His faith in us that moves, moves us. His hope gives us courage to begin to move beyond the places that we are in order that we might see our world changed. We need to step out in faith. So, as I wrap it up, worship team, you can come on up. The hope Jesus brings inspires new life. Again, I want, you, I want you to remember these three things as we think about this passage. That fear has a way of keeping us in places that Jesus never intended. Maybe there's a room of fear that you're living in. Maybe there's things that, that you've gone through where, where man, you've got to keep protecting your heart and, and your life, and, and you know that there are, there are things that you're just like, going you know, I'm, I'm sheltering, I'm protecting things, because you know what, I, I just, I don't want to be hurt again. It, it may be that there, there's, there's pressure that's coming upon you, and you're like, going you know, I, I feel like I need to, to live according to what's being pressed upon me. Yet I want you to know we have a Savior who seeks to empower us with a peace that is greater than our circumstances. Like there's a peace that He has for you that you can know He's enough. And my prayer is that you would receive that peace And you would allow His grace to help you live for something that is greater. You see, He cares for us. And He meets us here so that He might transform us and help us. And we need to allow our hope in our risen Savior to give us courage for everything that He's called us to. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You're here. You are among us. And God, we recognize that, Lord, we wrestle with so much. Lord, we wrestle with our fears and our insecurities. We, Lord, we, Lord we, we are leaning on different things just to kind of take the edge off, to help us manage life. Because, God, it's just hard at times. And God, I know that sometimes, because of what we've been through, we keep living in rooms of fear, where we lock ourselves away. Yet, God, it's your grace that wants to change us. It's your grace that, that, that steps into that place, into that room, in order to speak peace to us. Lord, I pray that you would breathe new life upon us. That we might have the courage to live for you. To live a life of significance. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would anyone here just simply say, you know what, I've been wrestling with some fears and worries. Maybe you've been a little overwhelmed by it. Maybe it's affected how you're relating with your spouse or relating with your kids. Maybe there's that part of you that, that in your fear, you just keep, you're trying to grasp for all sorts of things in order to, to, to help placate, to, to help diminish the anxiety and worry. And you would just say, Jesus, I just need your grace to help me today. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Let's see those hands. Lord, you see all these hands. Lord, I thank you that you care for every heart. Lord, you long to bring us to life. And God, we are in desperate need of your grace to meet us here. Lord, you saw every hand and you see every heart and every situation and circumstance they're a part of. And Lord, I just speak Jesus over all of this right now. Lord, I speak your peace, your life, your hope. And God, I pray that you would awaken new courage. Lord, we simply need you. Lord, may, we not, may, may you help us not be stuck in places you never intended. Yeah, God, we recognize that you're here. Jesus, you're here. You're among us. And God, we give every fear, every hurt, every worry, every concern to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us live well. For your glory and good. In Jesus' name.